My daddy may now make an announcement. So we have it in our heads that we can fly from Los Angeles to Prescott, Arizona on Christmas Day and just get an Uber to my parents' house. Eight hours or so of procrastination is probably plenty. And just get an Uber to my parents' house. You are listening to The Bitterest Pill. And just get an Uber to my parents' house. Yeah, welcome to The Bitterest Pill. It's Dan Class. I'm in my garage. Uh, you know, underneath the flight path at Los Angeles International Airport. And it's a, it's a beautiful day here in, in Southern California. It's about 3.40 p.m. as I sit and record this. And I thought, you know, eight hours or so of procrastination is probably plenty. And so I thought I would, uh, you know, stop for a moment doing laundry and going to webinars and Googling uh, whatever, like, obscure thing I can think of and actually recording a show. Um, and then in an effort to um, not be too lonely... Uh, I started live streaming. Why? I don't know. I didn't tell anybody I was live streaming. I am live streaming with a camera, but just one camera. I, I, I have a couple cameras now that I was going to live stream this thing. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. I don't know. We're still getting it together. Hey, Lucas. And um, and so, yeah, that's it. Um, anyway, you'll finally... We're not, we're not, I'm not going to answer technical questions right now. I have to get into the flow, man, or I'm not going to do anything. Lucas wants to know what microphone I'm using. The cheapest one I could find. This, you know, if you're listening to this show and you're thinking to yourself, wow, that sounds great. Um, I wonder what microphone Dan uses. I bet it's one of those $300 Shure SM7Bs. No, it is a $100 microphone. There it is right there. That's it sounds good you know what you know where the magic comes from right here he said tapping gently on his heart because that's that's the true magic <laughs> oh anyway um i have to take a sip of uh cold starbucks hold on a sec oh because if we're gonna do this let's do it so, hey, listen, I got to I, I gotta tell you something, and I don't know why I feel like I have to tell you this, but I'm going to anyway. I've been eating a lot of grapes. And I started eating a lot of grapes uh, when my daughter started eating a few grapes. And then I started eating really, and I, by a lot of grapes, what I guess I really mean is I eat grapes fairly nonstop. And you know how sometimes people say, I literally am eating grapes, not, no, I'm, I'm literally eating grapes. Not nonstop, obviously, because I do sleep every once in a while. Maybe use the restroom uh, every three, four days I take a shower. During those times, I, I'll grant you that I am not eating grapes, but pretty much every other moment of the day, except obviously now because I have to be talking nonstop, I, I'm eating grapes. Red, seedless, delicious grapes. Now, Maybe you're saying to yourself, hey, Dan, you know, I thought you uh, I thought you had to watch your sugar intake because of that hypoglycemia you keep claiming you have. Yeah, I'm supposed to. Maybe that's why. Is that why I like grapes so much is because they're making me high from sugar, from natural sugar. I'm not I'm not maintaining a keto diet, am I? What was before keto? Was a caveman? What was that called? The Neanderthal diet? No. 
what was that caveman diet? I can't even remember. Cavemen might have eaten grapes. I mean, wouldn't you if you were a caveman, you're walking along, and there's dirt, rocks, brontosaurus dung, and then suddenly you see grapes, you would eat some grapes. Um, but yeah, I've been eating a lot of grapes, which grapes and I've been drinking. See, <laughs> this is Dan logic. This will surprise you. Uh, not at all. Dan logic is, you know what I really should do is stop drinking so much diet Coke because it's killing me because it's diet Coke and you can't drink as much as I drink and because it's chemicals. It's, it's fizzy poison water in a, in a lovely can or bottle. So I said to myself, you know, self, you got to knock it off, man. And so my, um, my, <laughs> my healthful decision was to start drinking Starbucks cold coffee nonstop. I get it in a huge, what is this thing? 48 fluid ounce bottle of premium coffee beverage. That sounds like a semantic thing that they're trying to wiggle around, right? Premium coffee. Does that mean it's not actual coffee? Is it quote unquote coffee? You know what I mean? Because whenever anyone says a real cheese food, you know it's not really cheese. Because cheese food isn't cheese. Oh, God, I got to tell you something. Did we talk about? I don't even know if we talked about this. And if we did, forgive me. Maybe I talked about it with Hudson. We're not going to talk about grapes now. Grapes are, we're over with the grapes. Okay, so my son, whom you heard from last time, became a vegan about a year ago because we live in Los Angeles and we're that way. And he became a vegan and that's cool. And I, I have no problem with it whatsoever. Why would I? As long as he's, you know, being healthy and blah, 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 blah yada, yada. So whenever we get together, as you can imagine, eventually we run out of places to eat. And so... On our circuit, our little short circuit of places that we go to, one of them is a place, and I assume it's a national chain called uh, Veggie Grill. So we go to Veggie Grill, and like so many vegetarian places, the object is, and God knows why, to create food that is vegetarian, but that seems sort of like non-vegetarian fare. Or vegan fare, really. Now, the difference between a vegetarian and a vegan, as far as I remember, don't quote me on this, vegans. Just chill for a moment. Vegetarians, I don't know, but something like vegans don't even, I, I think technically, if you're really, like if you're a card-carrying vegan, you don't even drink milk, you don't eat eggs, you don't eat cheese because it has milk in it. Can you imagine if you cut, you know how we're all like, oh, I got to cut sugar out of, try cutting meat and dairy out of your diet, including eggs. Like, he won't eat anything that's baked with eggs in it. I don't know what he eats. You know, he eats pizza all day long because he, he does give himself the cheese thing. Which is good because cheese is good. So we go every once in a while to this place called Veggie Grill, and I used to get a falafel. <laughs> oh, jeez. I really should uh, practice saying these shows before I do, because then I would get a, a sense of how ridiculous my life sounds. Maybe it's good that I don't. Okay, so I used to get, uh, I don't know why I'm finding this funny, a, a falafel Caesar salad. Now, for those of you that live in the Midwest, uh, do you even know what falafel is? I know 
because of uh, New York City, I used to get falafel sandwiches or falafel. I don't know. What do they even call it? I don't know. It's basically you take chickpeas and you smoosh them and then you roll them into a ball and you maybe you coat it with something or not or you fill it with, I don't know, and then you deep fry that and that's a falafel ball thing. And then you put it in a pita, ideally, and then with that, some hummus. If you don't know what pita is, you don't know what hummus is. That's cool. Just bear with me. And then some other stuff and lettuce, and then you eat that off a cart in Manhattan. Okay? So that's how I first started eating it. And then I figured, well, if I'm at a vegetarian place, the only thing on the menu, honestly, that I recognize is falafel. I don't know what tempali is or whatever that crap is. I didn't want an impossibly impossible burger. So I just got falafel Caesar salad. And that was working for me pretty well, actually, for quite a while. Until, for whatever reason, Veggie Grill thought, you know what? Nah. Let's not, let's not do that anymore. I don't know if they cut out the falafel part or the Caesar part, or the whole, but it's, go, it's now gone. So one night we go, recently, the last time we went, and I think to myself, you know, my son... Good old Hudson. He's always saying how much he does enjoy the Impossible Burger. And you've heard of the Impossible Burger. It is a burger patty that is so much like a beef patty. It's impossible. It's impossible that they got that close to meat. Now, I think they just came out with uh, 2.0. Now, the story I'm telling you, this is a 1.0 story, I admit. Maybe they've upgraded... But we went to Veggie Grill, and I said, you know what, H, this, I'm going to try an Impossible Burger, just regular burger style with all the fixins, you know, and, and I'm going to see what it's like. How, how bad can it be, right? I've eaten vegetarian uh, fake sausages before, fake uh, burger patties before, so I'm going to have an Impossible. So I order it, and it comes, and... It really isn't until it arrives that I remember, and I really, I, I have a bad memory. And really, that's the great thing about doing these recordings is um, I have a good memory when I'm recording-ish. But in normal life, I have a horrible memory. And so what happens is I forget crucial details about life, one of which is I hate the smell of Impossible Burgers. Well, at least I hate the smell of Beyond. Now, there's Beyond also. Now, if you go to a restaurant, apparently it's impossible. But if you go to the grocery store, it's Beyond. I don't think you can get Impossible Burgers at the grocery store. And I don't think you can get Beyond Burgers at the restaurant. I think it's only Impossible at the restaurant and Beyond at the grocery store. So every once in a while, I get Beyond Burgers and I bring them home and I, I you know, barbecue, I grill them, you know. And they're, they, they don't please don't repeat this to Hudson. They smell like crap. And because in my head that's a Beyond Burger, but I'm out at a restaurant with an Impossible Burger, it, do, it doesn't dawn on me until it's in front of me that why wouldn't an Impossible Burger taste as bizarre, or excuse me, excuse me, smell as bizarre and kind of otherworldly as the Beyond Burger? But I'm going to listen, I'm going to I, I've made a commitment to this burger and to my son as a bonding thing. He really likes these burgers. He and I have a, a lot of similar uh, tastes. 
I gotta, I gotta try this burger. Now, to, to somewhat hedge my bets, okay, I will admit, I didn't have them take anything off. You know, usually I would say like, you know, hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, hold, you know, don't upset us, whatever. It had lettuce, it had pickles, it had cheese, it had uh, tomatoes, it had probably some kind of special sauce, you know. Well, I take one bite. And I immediately realize that it's a vegan, impossible burger. And I have made what is apparently the mistake of having everything put on it, not realizing that milk, cow's milk, is typically a very important ingredient in cheese. Now, when they asked me if I wanted it with lesbian and cheese, they... at least I think they said that. Maybe we never even discussed it. But no one said, you know how you go to most places and they say, you know, blah, blah, cheese. Or I remember to say, blah, blah, uh, no cheese. Usually I get no cheese. So to hedge my bets, I haven't put the cheese on. But it isn't cheese. It's quote unquote cheese. It is a cheese like food made from I don't even want to know. It was... The strangest, most sickening taste slash texture of anything I have ever inserted into my gullet. I never, listen, hey Dan, how was the, I have no idea. I didn't taste anything for probably 24 hours after eating this, uh, like two, one, two bites of this cheese-like thing. This alien slice of yellow mystery stuff. Listen, I don't... I I, I understand, like, if you don't want to eat cows because it's brutal, the whole cow thing, the whole beef thing. If you don't want to eat cows... Listen, man, I get it. I'm almost a vegetarian in some ways. I just... I'm... You know what it is, is they made... They, meaning my family, made me cook so long I'm just so sick of seeing raw meat that I just don't want to see any more raw meat. So if if I could go to a restaurant all the time, I wouldn't be thinking this way. But because every once in a while, I just, disgusting. So if you're a vegetarian or vegan or whatever because you don't like the way animals are mistreated or whatever, I I guess I get it. And hey, listen, if you don't want to eat eggs, I get that too because those are sort of like, uh, you know, birds of the future. I get it. The more I even think about eggs, it, it kind of grosses me out. You can't think about food too much. Not not that kind of food. Not the kind the kind of food that vegans and, and vegetarians don't eat. You can't think about it too much. But listen, I mean, be nice to the cow and then just milk it and drink the milk. Maybe put maybe make some real cheese. You got to make real. You cannot do this to yourself just because you're feeling like a good person. You can't torture yourself with whatever that was that I put into my mouth. People voluntarily eat that all day long. And listen, please, if you know what they make that crap 
like, real crap. Like I, that was almost the reaction, honestly. And I, and I felt like I was three years old, but I had the same reaction that I would have had if I had put actual feces into my mouth. Oh, God, I can't even think about it anymore. All right, change the subject, please. So listen, uh, we had lovely holidays. I hope you did too. No matter which holiday you subscribe to. Do you subscribe to a holiday? Does a holiday just come to you automatically each year? Of course it does. Uh, we celebrate, you know, Hallmark Christmas, which means we get a tree, we put Santa on it, we have snow globes, we have, uh, we have an extensive collection of uh, nutcrackers. I don't know if you know that about the class family, but we do. We have an extensive um, collection of nutcrackers. Now, these are not particularly expensive or tasteful in any way. They're not not tasteful, but you know, I don't want you to think that we have like Fabergé egg versions of nut. We I just have nutcrackers that we get at the department store. And, and when I say department store, I'm pretty sure I mean actually Target. Um, but that's our Christmas. Listen, that's a big thing for us. And then the other thing that somehow my daughter and I started this last year, the year before, was we play records. <laughs> I don't know why, but we... Every year, it's the only time we listen to vinyl, but we pull out the turntable and we start cranking the Johnny Mathis, you know, sleigh bells ring. It's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. And you have to have those tr traditions um, because that's what, you know, that's the only way to mark time, really. But also just, you know, being in Los Angeles... Um, it takes a long time, and I think Hudson and I maybe talked about this. It takes a long time to get used to Christmas because you're driving around with the windows down or the top down or something, Christmas shopping, and it's bizarre. And you really want that feeling of, you know, winter, leaves fall, snow falls, maybe you got to shovel the driveway a little bit. You understand, like, winter. At least those of us that grew up in that, like I did, I grew up in snow. And now there's no snow. It's just bizarre. But that's, so we have snow globes, apparently, that's our big, that's our source of weather in Southern California is snow globes. That's great. But we went to see my, my parents. Now, my parents um, used to live down south of here in, or in Orange County. Oh, that was freaky. Um, in, uh, 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 what's the name of that? San Juan Capistrano, and then they moved to... San Clemente. You ever heard of San Clemente? I think that's where Nixon was from. And then they moved to Arizona. One day, you know, they just called and said, hey, uh, we're going to Arizona to visit some friends. And then they came back and they're like, hey, we bought a house, too. I thought they were going to buy cowboy hats and stuff like that. No, they bought a house, like a huge house on a hill, a big, huge Arizona house. On a hill up a mountain or something. But it's beautiful there. You know, it's, you know, it's this old rodeo town. And uh, it's called Prescott. You can't say Prescott. You have to say Prescott. I don't know if that's an accent thing. I don't know what that is. But they moved to Prescott, Arizona. And because they're my family, you know, they're my parents. My parents are both alive. My wife's mother is still alive. But she's way in Poughkeepsie, New York. And we're going to go there in the spring for a big wedding. So my wife without 
checking with me, made plans for us all to go to Prescott for Christmas. Now, when I say checking, like obviously she doesn't have to check with me to make plans to see my parents, except if I had my way, I would anxiety out of going anywhere ever, ever. So we went to Arizona and it was literally, I think, a day before we went that I realized my wife not only had planned for us to go to Arizona, but planned for us to go to Arizona for six days. Now, listen, I love my parents. We get along swimmingly. They're wonderful people. Their house is beautiful and clean. Their pets are fun. You understand? Nothing. I have nothing negative to say about my parents other than six days sounds like a long time to be in your parents' house in Arizona when you don't live in Arizona. You don't, if ever, never, you know what I mean? Like, it would be one thing if I grew up in that house, but I, like, I've only been there twice. Six days? Oh, my God, I'm freaking out. So we, um, we fly into, now, the, the crazy thing about Prescott, Arizona, and I shouldn't even be telling you this because too many people are moving there. And it's already bugging my parents who moved there two years ago. Um, but the, the thing about Prescott, which is kind of great, as it turns out, is they have a tiny little airport. And this tiny little airport has flights that go from big, big LAX right here in my backyard, literally. And I mean that literally. I mean literally, literally, not literally figured, literally you know, backyard and then LAX, from our backyard to Prescott. Like, not near Prescott, in Prescott, this little town that you maybe have never even heard of. So this is great. So we pack up all our stuff. We pack up the dog. We go to the airport. Now, one of the things that my parents really love is for my kids to perform musically for them. Uh, my son plays the piano, you know, Hudson plays the piano and they both sing. And uh, that's a big thing for my parents. They love that. I mean, and, and honestly, sort of Melissa and I, so we're like, yeah, you should, you should bring musical instruments so you can, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're like, yeah, because for, for Nana Papa. So H decides he wants to bring his keyboard. He has this MIDI keyboard that's very light, should be easy to transport. Um, my wife calls and asks if uh, there's size restrictions or whatever, and they're like, no, as long as it's under this, and we measure it, and we figure out, no, this is great. we got plenty of extra, uh, you know, inches to spare, right? So we take this MIDI keyboard, and we put it in a box, like a TV box, and we cut the box down, and we've got styrofoam in there. It's all perfect. I make, a, like, a duct tape handle, and we're going to take the keyboard... As, as a piece of luggage, and then he's going to have his nice MIDI 88 key, whatever the hell it is, keyboard. So we Uber to the airport. And I, I won't tell the part of the story where we semi-argue with the Uber driver because he doesn't speak English and we understand... You know, like, 
I don't, it was just I, I don't want to get into some cultural thing where it's like, can you <laughs> welcome to America, man? Yeah, we know we need to take two Ubers. Can do you just drive the first set of people and not give us like the the mean Mother Russia look or whatever the hell that is? right? Okay, so anyway, so we get to the airport. We're flying United, and we go to check in, and the lovely man that's helping us is uh, in no hurry whatsoever. So after a very long stay in the line dealing with all this, we finally go to check the keyboard that we've measured and packed and taped and wrapped and handled. And the guy says, well, this is oversized. It's not too big, but it is oversized. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we read the website. Everything's cool. And he says, okay, great. So that one, normal bags are like $40 or $30 or $50 or something like that. The keyboard's $200. The keyboard is $200 each way to take on the United flight, even though it's really just kind of like a sort of long cardboard box. Now, this keyboard is only worth about $150. So we're not going to pay $400 to take it to see my parents and back. That would be, we would honestly be paying more for the keyboard to go to Prescott, Arizona than for the members of the family to go to Prescott, Arizona. It's bad enough that we're spending $300 to get the dog back and forth, but we'd be spending four for a keyboard just because it has 88 keys. No. So this is one of those times where it's very good, my friend, that we live so close to the airport. So I end up Ubering back to our house with the keyboard to exchange it for a ukulele. And again, because really what happened is all the taxi drivers that used to work here in LA are now Uber drivers or limo drivers are now Uber drivers because the Russians, pretty sure, uh, control the limousine services here in Los Angeles. Okay, so you get a lot of Russian Uber drivers around the airport. And, and I have nothing against them other than there is often a language barrier. And the language barrier apparently includes this exchange. Hey, listen, um, I, I just need to drop this box off at my house, and then I need to go right back to the airport. So can you just, when we get there, can you just wait, and I'll get back in, and, and, and I don't care if we have to start a new thing, you know, a new uh, fair or whatever, but... If you could wait, I could just get back in. We can go back right back to the airport. No, I can't do that. I can't wait. Right, but you understand that what I'm saying is not complicated. And, and, and again, if you have to, like, when we get there, stop the thing. And then just don't move for, like, 10 seconds. I'm going to go in my house, turn off the alarm, set down this box, turn the alarm back on with a ukulele in my hand and get in the car. All you have to do is like one, one thousand, two, like 10 seconds. I swear to God. No, I can't do that. I swear there was no simplification of that that I could come up with that this guy even wanted to listen to. So I literally took an Uber to my house, got out. The guy drove away as fast as he could. I was in my house for 10 seconds because all I had to do is turn off the alarm turn the alarm back on, pick up the ukulele and go outside and wait for a completely different Uber to come to my house and drive me the two blocks back to the airport. 
So we get to the airport. We take our flight. Flying from Los Angeles to Arizona, that's pretty short. We, like, basically, it's the old, like, you get to altitude and then you are prepared for landing. So we land in Prescott. Now, please understand my uh, points of reference, okay? My point of reference is an airport equals Los Angeles International Airport or airport equals JFK or Newark in the, on the East Coast or, or uh, what's that one in Chicago? You know what I mean? The big one in Chicago, right? Which is why when I went to Green Bay, Wisconsin, I was like, oh, my God, where are all the people? This is so cute. It's like a pretend airport. Okay, the airport in Prescott was a fireplace and a bathroom, a one per, like a unisex one-person bathroom and a little caged area where they bring your luggage and leave it so you can get it. Okay. Well, because we're idiot, you know, Angelinos, we have it in our heads that, by the way, we flew Christmas Day. So we have it in our heads that we can fly from Los Angeles to Prescott, Arizona on Christmas Day, land at around 9.30 or 10 p.m., and just get an Uber to my parents' house. You know, because in the middle of nowhere in the mountains of Arizona, Ubers are going to be about equally available as they would be in Los Angeles. Why wouldn't they be? <laughs> so we're standing there looking at Uber, looking at Lyft. Meanwhile, everybody's leaving. Very quickly, we are the only people in the entire Prescott Airport. Now, granted, that's not saying that much because the airport is about the size of, I'd say, my house. We have no, we have no, we have no way to get to my parents' house. And my parents, I'm sure would have been more than happy to come and get us, but it's late. They go to bed early. They're not as young as they used to be. And so that's kind of a last resort. You know, we call literally, not figuratively, literally every cab company we can find a phone number for in Prescott, Arizona. But as you can imagine, these cab companies aren't cab companies like on taxi, where they're up all night, every night, you know, fielding calls. It's a guy with a Chevy and a cell phone, and he's not working on Christmas Day at 10 at night. So we're literally, literally, about to go into panic mode. And a guy walks in, oh, thank God, and says, hey, do you guys, do you guys need a ride or something? Because you seem like you need a ride. And we're like, yes, we need a ride because we're stupid. Stupid people don't have rides. So apparently this dude and his son um, run the valet parking concession at Prescott Airport. Now, why Prescott Airport would need valet parking is not uh, immediately evident. And yet, who are we to argue? Please, Lord, if you can give us a ride, I will give you all the cash I have in my pocket right now. Please, Lord. So basically, that's what happened. This really nice dude and his son, adult son, drove us to my parents' house, dropped us off. I gave him all the cash I had. Absolutely. Are you kidding? Now, 
why does this guy have the, right, the valet parking concession at the tiny, tiny Prescott Airport? Because he's a genius. And apparently, if by the end of the calendar year of 2018, if Prescott Airport got X number of passengers passing through their gates, they're going to get a kajillion dollar grant and build a massive airport. And this guy would still have the valet parking concession and basically manage this whole big parking system. And Prescott is full of old people who would absolutely want to valet their cars. Or better yet, they just set up the whole system where you kind of have to valet right now because there's nowhere to park. Perfect. The guy's brilliant. I want to be his son. So we got to my parents. We stayed up too late. It was great. It was great to see them. We were there for six days. So that was Christmas Day. Yeah, this is pretty much how it goes. So we fly in Christmas Day. And then... I think it was the next night that we were going to have pretend Christmas dinner because obviously we weren't there for Christmas dinner, Christmas Eve. So it was really Boxing Day, as the Brits might say, but it was the 26th and whatever. So there was a turkey and stuffing and gravy and uh, 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 and all that stuff. And um, as I'm fork, forking, forking? Because we spoon, like, oh, I, was, I spooned it into my mouth. Do you fork it into your mouth? That sounds forking wrong. As I'm finishing my last bite of turkey, a feeling comes over me that announces itself. And the announcement is, hey, Dan, guess what? You're now sick. You ever had that where it just suddenly like someone just comes up behind you with a blanket of illness and just bleh on you and then that's it. So basically I, I ate turkey, chew, 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 swallow, and then I th- slept for about 48 hours. Well, first, no, first I had a shivering attack where you now the house was a tiny bit chilly, but not shiver attack chilly. But I had a freaking full on seizure shiver attack. That lasted about a half an hour, and then I slept for two days. So the guy who was so worried about spending six days at his parents' house really only stayed four days at his parents' house. And then two days on his parents' couch. And an air mattress um, doing something to his neck that still hasn't worked itself out. And all my daughter wanted was to see snow. Apparently, every once in a while, they get snow in Prescott. It's high enough or whatever. And one of the two days I was out cold, she woke me up like, Dad, it's snowing. And I looked out, and, and, and technically, it was snowing. Um, it wasn't sticking, so to speak. It wasn't accumulating, but it was definitely snowing. We could definitely listen to some Christmas songs and say we had a white Christmas and say we saw snow and tick that box on the bucket list or whatever and I'd go back to sleep. Well, at some point, we end up renting a keyboard. And by keyboard, I mean like essentially renting an enormous electric piano. And the kids put on a couple of performances for my folks. And it's wonderful. A couple nights worth of, right? We've got SAG screeners. We ended up, I slept through Vice. 
is very nap-worthy. It's probably very good, but if you're sick and you're shivering, you, you see about half of it. But as time is going by and the, the end of the trip is uh, approaching, because all my daughter, Tulu, keeps talking about is wanting to see more snow, Hudson starts getting very nervous about this idea he has that we're going to get snowed in <laughs> and he's not going to make it back to Los Angeles in time to hang out with his friends for New Year's Eve because that's when we're flying back is New Year's Eve day. So we keep trying to talk him off a ledge and like, dude, there's no way we're going to get snowed into Prescott, Arizona. Please. It's not even snowing. And when it snows, it doesn't even accumulate. Like, what are you so worried about? We're landing at like three in the afternoon. You'll have plenty of time. It snowed. So much. So hard. So constantly. From the night of the 30th. All the way through the entire day of the 31st in Prescott, Arizona. Our flight was canceled. Yeah. We got snowed in, in Arizona. How is that possible? I, apparently, if you go high enough and your daughter begs enough for snow, you get snowed in. So that morning, we go to brunch. We find this vegan place on Yelp that looks like it's going to be okay. We all go out. We have to take two cars because there's too many of us to fit in one car. There was some reason. Oh, we had to return the keyboard. That's what it was. We had to return the keyboard to Pops. If you're ever in Prescott, Arizona, Pops is the place. They even foretold that Daryl Dragon of Captain and Tennille was going to pass soon. It was weird that that came up and then he died. Um, but... So we met at brunch, and it was snowing. And in my denial, I took a picture of my mom and dad's little Volkswagen with a little bit of snow on it. Like, ha, 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 look, it's, it's snowing in Arizona. This is like the cutest thing. It never stopped. It never, it just kept coming down. So by the time we're done with our vegan pancakes, I don't even know what I had. It wasn't completely vegan, but it was so good. This place is so good. What's it called? Like the local or something? Um, the roads were a disastrous nightmare. And this is coming from someone who learned to drive in snow. Snow, 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 snow. So we drive from breakfast back to my parents' house up their hill. And it goes fine. My wife is driving the other car. My, my mom um, is a very good driver, but she just doesn't drive that much. And my wife, Melissa, is very tenacious and serious driver. So, so Melissa drove the little Volkswagen. And then I think my dad drove his car. Now, he has a Mazda that has four-wheel drive, okay, a Mazda a little SUV thing, like, like my wife has here. Um, so we drive back to the house, and, and people are driving off the freaking road. It's really getting nuts. And it doesn't look like it's going to stop. Well, what we need to do, though, is go back up to the house. And then Melissa and I are going to 
go get a rental car because our flight was canceled. But if we can somehow drive out of town and make it to Phoenix by five o'clock, we can fly home. And if we can't make it to Phoenix, we're going to just drive. Just F it. We got we got to go. Right. And it had nothing to do with my parents. We really just wanted we wanted H to spend time with his friends. He really needed his friend time. So. So we all go to the house and then Melissa and I get in the Mazda four wheel drive and we drive to the rental car place. We rent the car. Now it has to be a big car. It has to be a big enough car to hold all our luggage, four people and a dog and a ukulele. So we go and we get it. Now, now by, by now the snow, four or five inches, six inches deep in Arizona. So we, we rent the car, we get the car. Now we're in a hurry and I'm a nervous wreck because I got to drive this strange vehicle. And they're like sweeping the snow off of it with one of those brush things with the scraper on the end. I'm like, dude, can we just, can you give me the keys? So I get in this car. Now this car is a Chrysler Pacifica. Now we have very fond feelings about the Chrysler Pacifica because my parents drove one for many years. That's the car that basically when my kids were with my folks, the kids grew up in. The kids grew up in a Pacifica. So I'm very happy that we have it. I'm happy that we have a Pacifica because it seems like a good omen until I start it and put it in gear and begin to drive because I realize, holy cow, the Chrysler Pacifica might be the worst vehicle to drive in snow that I have ever had the pleasure of steering halfway off the road. And, and I don't know why I do this. And one of my New Year's promises to myself is to stop doing this. But see, I am not exactly sure where I am at this point. I am wherever the Hertz office was. And so out of habit, I get out my phone and I start Waze. And I say, Waze, take me to my mommy and daddy's house. And Waze says, sure. And Waze doesn't say, by the way, I have no idea that it's snowing. Waze just says, sure, let's go. And so I start following Waze. So Waze has me go down the main road. And then instead of going dead through town, it says turn right, which makes perfect sense to me because town is, I can see, town is, is very congested, the town square area. Between the snow and they're getting ready for this big celebration for the new year, like, yeah, that's fantastic. Let's not go that way. So Waze has me turn and then Waze has me turn again, again, never mentioning, hey, Dan, just so we're clear, I have no idea that it's snowing. Well, I get stuck in the Pacifica. Now, I'm not saying that I go off the road. I just get to a road that I cannot make it up because they are only salting and plowing the main roads. The, the neighbor, like they, the, it's, it's a free for all anywhere but the most mainest of main roads. So I, I'm going up this hill, not thinking much of it, but somebody stops in front of me. So I stop. And then that I, that's it. We're done. 
Now, luckily, these Prescott teenagers come by. And they're like, hey, man, you need some help? And I'm like, yeah, I sure do, buddy. So they start pushing, even with five or six, like, healthy teenage men, we can't, no, nothing. I got, no, I got nothing in the Pacifica. I end up backing, I'd say at a good eighth of a mile, back down the hill, passing a line of cars that are, they're not going to make it up there either, uh, to, to get to an intersection, to turn around, to go back to the main road. So at this point, I'm like, F this. I got to get back to my parents' house. We got to get out of town. I don't want to be in a snowstorm anymore. So I go back to the kind of secondary road. So I'm like, I'm just going to go through town. I know how to get there from the town. If I just go through town, I know how to go. So I get to uh, whatever that street is, Montezuma or whatever. I don't know what it is. And I turn I know if I turn right there, I just go straight on that road, and then I know exactly where I go. But right before that turn, I see a sign that if you, you know, thought about it, you would understand means no right turn. And my brain said, yeah, my ass, and I turned right. Because, you know what, F you, I, I don't care. This is a free-for-all. I'm still on the road. I got to get up to my parents' house in this stupid car. I don't know how I'm going to get. I mean, my parents live up a hill twice as steep as the one that I already got stuck on. So I don't even know what I'm going to do. But next thing you know, I'm driving through town. And then I realize after I'm like, F you, I'm going to turn right. Oh, the reason you can't turn right is because the main road is blocked off because they're getting ready for the big boot drop celebration at midnight. And now you're driving through all the catering trucks that are in the middle of the main road. And they're wondering why you're driving through the catering trucks. Oh, dear God. So I make it through town. And I make it up the hill because it's a main road. So I can't remember the name of that road. It's like Gurley or something. No, it's not Gurley. Never mind. I don't know what it is. It's the main road, man. I don't know what it's called. But I, what I got to do is I got to go up this main road, and, and like I say, it has been plowed and salted. And then I turn right at Copper Basin, and then I go up there to my parents' street, and then I turn right and go up the hill. Okay. So going up the main road, no problem. I mean, the Pacifica is kind of a big boat. It's all over the road, but it's still, we're doing fine. And then it would make the right turn, and it looks like they plowed, but there's still a lot of snow on the road. And it is kind of uphill, but so far so good until you get to the point where someone has stopped. So some poor guy in a little tiny pickup truck has stopped. And he's trying to dig himself out or dig, chain, dig out enough to put chains on the thing. I don't know what it is. Like, you would hope that a pickup truck would do fine. Except, well, no, of course not, because it has no weight in the back. Is just a tiny little Toyota pickup truck. There's no freaking way that this is a good vehicle for the snow. So he stops in the middle of our lane, and there's traffic coming the other way, so I have to stop and never get going again. So I'm trying to go forward, and then I go backwards a little bit and try to go forward, and then I try to rock it back and forth. I drew every trick in my uh, high school brain book from Rochester, New York, uh, Lake Effect Snow. Nothing I'm doing can get this vehicle going. So I call 
my dad or my wife. I don't even remember who I called. Yeah, one of them, probably Melissa. And we're like, hey, um, so listen. <laughs> There's no way in hell I'm going to be able to make it even to my parents' street, let alone up that street. So you guys, I hate to do this to you. You got to put all the stuff in the in dad's Mazda and drive it to me. And then Hudson and I have to push this car around, do a 180, and then we'll just hope we don't die going back down the hill, and then we'll drive to Phoenix. Now, I'm feeling very defeated because when you grow up in snow, you feel like this should not happen to you. You should not get stuck. You should have the faculties and the wherewithal and the ingenuity and the whatever else it takes to not end up in a situation where you and your stupid white rental Pacifica with Florida plates. I know it's just so bad. Everyone driving by is like, idiot. You know what I mean? It's just, it's bad. So now a guy, to give you an idea what people are like in Prescott, I really wasn't sitting there for that long before a guy stopped to help me. And he was a dude with a truck that you know, he had a, like a winch on the back and everything. So he, I don't know what he does with this truck when it's not snowing like crazy, but obviously one of the things he does do is goes and saves people like freaking Superman with this winch. So he was going to winch the Pacifica for me, but apparently the underbelly is a full belly and he couldn't hook anywhere. So I'm like, dude, thanks. You know, whatever. My family's coming and they're going to go, go, go. So then this guy and his wife, all decked out in their Sunday best, stop in their Prius. So they're going to help me. And then this other dude stops with them. And so next thing you know, there's six of us. So, so you know, the family arrives. So all this big group of people are going to try to push the stupid car. So I, f I get out of the car. Now, this is the first time I've gotten out of the car. And I immediately almost eat it because the road... It, it, it turns out I'm not completely incompetent. The road was ice. Snow ice, but ice. You know what I mean? Like, I could barely stand up. So, of course, we all get behind the car, and uh, Melissa's going to drive it, and the boys are going to push. You know what I mean? So there's me, there's Hudson, there's the dude behind the dude in the Prius, there's the Prius guy, and we all go to push. And, of course, I get no traction. I slip. I bang my chin immediately on the back bumper and end up on my belly in the middle of the road. And everyone's like, <laughs> Florida plates. We finally got it around. I don't remember how. We didn't end up pushing it with another vehicle. We didn't end up pulling it with another vehicle. I think we just... The sheer brute force of that many people trying to push it on the snow or whatever, we finally got it around, pointing in the right direction. I imagine that I wouldn't necessarily like Phoenix, Arizona. But when we finally got out of the Prescott weather, and then finally in to Phoenix, it was as if we were arriving in Oz. 
we were all so relieved. I've never been more relieved to be in an airport that wasn't LAX in my life. All right, thank you for listening to The Bitterest Pill. That is the show. That is episode, uh, I almost said 600 and something. No, 371, if you're keeping score. Uh, Listen, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading the show. Uh, Thank you to the folks that watched on the live stream. I think it was Glenn and Joshua and Lucas, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And of course, this uh, program is made possible by the generous, generous patrons of The Bitterest Pill who donate to the show on Patreon and help keep it uh, alive. Patrons like uh, Dr. Rob Rice, Alex Mirabelli, Brom Lasagna, uh, Dan Kirkendall, Dave the Man Jackson, Hall of Famer, Dave the Man Jackson, uh, David Chasen, Gerard Cortinez, uh, new supporter, uh, no, new to this uh, shout-out thing, man, Ed Nothnagel. Ed the Man Nothnagel. See, he can't, no, he can't be, Ed the other man. No, that's not going to work either. All right, we're, we're going to work on that. Flores, Harold Goldner, Jay Savastino, Jeff Short, Jim Cariotis, Megan, Mike Scott, Hamilton, Peter Chase, Rob Usedon, uh, Sean Othan, Sean Stewart, and Tom Carroll, and, and of course, many others that uh, will remain nameless for now. So thank you all uh, that support the show. Thank you all that support the show by simply listening. Uh, you should be ashamed of yourself. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, hopefully uh, I will talk to you next week or the week after. See, hopefully, see, this is what happens. I say I'm going to talk to you next week, and then I usually don't. So I'm trying an experiment, and I'm going to say I'll talk to you in two weeks, and then maybe I'll talk to you next week. But that, that logic really does not hold, does it? No. All right. Uh, thanks a lot. This is The Bitterest Pill, produced by Jacket Media here in the studios of, uh, yeah, the west side of Los Angeles. Uh, Thank you, and goodbye. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's tough.